2, verses 8 through 12 says this. It's the Christmas story. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. You've got to say all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. Everybody say sign. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. You know, the Christmas story to me, and I mentioned it this morning, but the Christmas story to me is the first half of the greatest love story ever told. The first half is Christmas and what it represents. God coming to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And the second half of the Christmas story is Easter. The time when Jesus was crucified and resurrected. The time that he suffered for our, for our sins. It was really the fulfillment of his whole life was at that point. But it started with some shepherds. And it started in a stable and it started in a manger in a place that none of us would have ever thought. The angel said to the shepherds, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. I wonder what God was communicating. What was God trying to say when he said there's a sign? Could it be that God was saying through the angels that this is a sign for you And this is what it means, that Jesus is accessible to everyone. So growing up, I grew up in the country, spent a few years in the country growing up in my upper years, and and there was a saying around our house, if I walked outside the door and I didn't shut the door, there was a comment that rapidly followed by either my mom or my dad, and it was, were you born in a barn? Has anybody ever heard that? I was thinking about this because this is just kind of how my mind works. You know, if Jesus left the door open, nobody could say that to him. You know what I'm saying? I can see Joseph. Jesus is running outside, and and the door's open, and Joseph going, Hey, boy, were you born in a... Oh, yeah, you were born in a barn. You know, so they would have had to come up with something different. But I know something about barns. I have a barn. How many of you have ever been around a barn? How many of you have ever been around livestock? Anybody? Most everybody in here. Barns are interesting places, aren't they? It's where we store things. That's where animals are. But there's a lot of things about a barn that are good to have, and there's a lot of things about barns that never even enter my mind. I don't know anybody that's preparing to have a baby that says, Oh, honey, look, we have the option. Should we go to the hospital or the barn? <laughs> I mean, we don't even, that doesn't even enter into the equation, does it? So what is it that God's trying to say when he allows Jesus, the Son of God, there at the creation of everything, to be born in a barn? And I want you to really wrap your mind, try to wrap your mind around this tonight. Think about this, y'all. The God who created the universe is sending his Son God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And where does he choose for him to be born? In a stable. 
I mean, if it's me, if, if it's my son being born and I'm the, the king of the universe, he's going to be born in the nicest palace there is. He's going to have the nicest doctors in attendance, the greatest physicians. Everything that he needs is going to be there. The world is going to be gathered around to see the birth of this son. So think about that. But God sends his son to be born in a stable. There were no doctors there. There were no attendants. It was messy. It was stinky. It was loud. It was the one place you wouldn't go to have a baby. And yet God did that. And I was thinking about that this week. Think about this, y'all. God did that on purpose. It wasn't an accident that Jesus was born in a stable. It was God's divine plan since the creation of the universe that that's where Jesus would be born. And it was a sign. And it's just the sign, this is what I think, that Jesus is accessible to everyone and he came to get messy. Barns are messy places. There's animals and where there are animals, there are things that animals do. And I'm not going to say that, but you all know what I'm talking about. It's not hygienic, it stinks, and it's loud. And yet God sends his son to be born in that place. That's amazing to me. But it should be encouraging to you that Jesus came to get messy. See, Jesus was born into a messy world. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 53 verses 6 through 8 says this. All we, all of us... Like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. In other words, God has put all of our sin on Jesus. And all of us like sheep have gone astray. But there's good news, y'all. Jesus is also called the great shepherd. And the good shepherd loves and takes care of his sheep. He even lays down his life for the sheep, Jesus said. And we know that he did that. And a good shepherd also serves the sheep. It's amazing to me that even though that Jesus was the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he came to serve, not to be served. And that's one of the things around here. If you're around here for any length of time, you're going to see everybody in here serves. We have our kids serving. Our adults serving. We serve. Why? Because Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but to serve. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus actually disrobed and put a robe around his waist and took a a bowl of water and washed his disciples' feet. How many of y'all get nervous being around people's feet? Let me see your hands. Come on right now. Now I want you to imagine back in those days, they're wearing sandals or no shoes at all. And and that's what a servant would do. A servant would wash your feet. And Jesus was teaching his disciples that he was going to humble himself and took the form of a servant and wash those old stinky feet. He came to get messy. He came to get messy. And God's plan was messy from the very beginning. Why is God's plan messy? Because God is showing us that he's not afraid to get involved in the mess that your life may be. 
You know, have you ever talked to somebody and said, how's it going? I'm having some challenges. And, and maybe you've heard them even say, my life is a mess. And yet God has shown us from the very beginning that Jesus is accessible. You know, and the shepherds, I mean, back in the days, the shepherds were kind of the low end of the food chain as far as jobs go. And yet the angels appear to a bunch of shepherds and they send the shepherds to go be with Jesus the night he's born. Again, God's showing us that he's accessible. And the angels saying it's good news for everyone, for all of us, for me and for you, from the rich to the poor to everybody in between, Jesus is available to us. See, if Jesus had been born in a palace somewhere, which is what he would have deserved, none of us would have been surprised by that. But he also would have been inaccessible to us. But even the lowliest of us, not born in a barn, and yet he was. He came to get messy. And on the day that Jesus was crucified, the day he took all of our sin on him, a messy, horrible, terrible day for him, Jesus understood what it was like to be alone. Jesus understood what it was like to be rejected, even by people in his own family, even his disciples, those that had followed him. Almost everyone scattered away from him. And in those moments when he was hanging on the cross, by the way, suffering for me and you, taking our sin on himself, the Father turned his face away from him because God couldn't look on his sin. So maybe you felt rejected. Maybe you felt alone. Jesus understands that. The Bible tells us that he's tempted in all things as we are, yet he never sinned. But he also knows what it's like to be rejected and be alone. He's been there, and he's done that. I want to say this to you this morning. God's plan was messy. But what a mess we would be in if he didn't come that way. And, and the more mature I get, no, let me say that. The, more, the older I get, you know, let's be relative here. <laughs> I want to be accurate. The more I realize the brilliance of that plan. That Jesus is accessible to all of us. So the question of Christmas for you is have you received that gift? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord? I mean, more than just knowing about Him, more than just going to church every once in a while, more than, more than just the religious functions, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you given Him your sin? Have you said, Lord, I don't deserve you. I, I, I've messed my life up. And he stands there qualified and he goes, I know what that's like. I came to deal with your mess. I came to deal with it. I want you to think about that right now. If you're here today, maybe you came with a friend. You know, maybe you're just here because it's the candlelight service. Maybe you don't know why you're here. I want you to know, if God's speaking to your heart right now, He's wanting you to make that decision to receive Jesus. See, the greatest gift of all is not stuff. The greatest gift of all is Jesus. Stuff's going to go away, guys. I talked to a little boy. <laughs> and he was, uh, he got a BB gun. How many of y'all know that's awesome, right? 
First BB gun. Come on, guys. With those famous words, don't shoot your eye out, kid. <laughs> I think somewhere in my Daisy Red Rider doesn't shoot anymore. It's just a memento. But all those things pass away. The gifts come and go. The bicycles and, and, and all those things that we've always wanted, they all go away. But there's one gift that will last you your whole life long and into eternity. And that's receiving the gift of Christ. The grace and the forgiveness and the mercy and the help. He said he would never leave us or forsake us on our good days and on our bad days. The greatest promise in the Bible to me is I'll never leave you. And you may run from him. And some of you maybe grew up in church, but you've turned away from God. And now you're out doing your own thing. I want you to understand something. You may feel far away from him, but he is right there with you. In the middle of your mess, whatever hell it is you're living in. And a lot of it you may have created for yourself the decisions you've made, and some of the things that are going on, I want you to understand something. He came to get messy. And he's not scared of your mess. But it's not just that he can sympathize with you. It's that he can help you. He can fix it. He can take the disaster that your life may be, and he can turn it around and make something beautiful about it. But you have to choose to receive that. Two parts to gift giving. There's a giver and a receiver. God gave us the gift of Jesus. But we have to receive that. I mean, wouldn't it be crazy Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Christmas morning, to get up and there's a gift with your name on it? And you never open it? That doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, how many of you have seen a kid Christmas morning in the gifts? It's like a Wolverine, man. It's like, what's up with that? I mean, they tear it apart like a machine. Why? That's a great example. Because gifts are made to be opened. They're not made to be looked at. I'm sorry, ladies. Some of y'all are like, yes, they are. (laughs) They're beautiful. Hey, you can put mine in newspaper. It's all good. I'm just opening that thing. But they're made to be opened. And the gift of salvation for you is made to be received and opened. And some of you today may know about Jesus. You may wear a cross around your neck and you may have been carrying him around your whole life. But you've never opened the gift. You've never received him. So here's what we're going to do. It would be the worst travesty in history if I didn't give you an opportunity to receive that gift tonight. So here's what we're going to do. I want everybody in here, just in the, in the stillness of this moment, this is a holy moment, in the stillness of this moment, I want you to ask yourself this question. Have I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Have I done that? If you haven't done that, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Because I want to tell you, It's the greatest gift you'll ever receive. Amen? So let's all bow our heads for a moment. 
Right now, I want you to ask yourself that question. Have I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Have I received the gift of Jesus? If you have not, nobody's looking around. This is between you and me and God right now. This is just an opportunity for you to examine your heart and receive the gift of salvation that God loved you so much that he gave his son to take your sin and take your your pain and take your past and all the things that have happened to you and, and in this moment to forgive you of all that and accept him or accept you into his family. If you're here tonight and you want to receive Jesus as your savior, just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Just right now, all over the room, if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, now is your opportunity. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, guys. Anybody else? I see your hands. Amen. Put your hands down. People all in the room raising their hands up to receive the gift of Jesus. Amen. Here's what I want us to do right now. If you raised your hand, I want you to take another step. And this is, this is a courageous step. If you raised your hand and you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, Savior I'm going to ask you to come down front and just stand here right with me and we're going to pray. If you raised your hand, just get out of the aisle and come on down front with me. your hand too? Okay, we come in here with us. Here's what we're going to do. You guys understand that Jesus loves you? You understand that Jesus died for your sins and that he rose again? And what you're going to do tonight is you're going to accept that gift of him in your heart and he's going to be your Lord and Savior. Amen? So let's all pray this with me. You guys pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for for loving me and dying for me. Jesus, please come into my heart. Forgive my sin and accept me into your family. And I thank you. Amen. Good job, you guys. Let's give these guys a big hand, y'all. another part to the Christmas story. You know, the Bible tells us in, in John that Jesus is the light of the world. But there's another part to that. Before Jesus goes back to heaven, he turns around to the disciples and now he says, you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. We're the light of the world. Some of us, our bulbs are a little dimmer than others. <laughs> Don't point at your neighbor. That's not nice. (laughs) But we're the light of the world. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pass out some lights for you. I would give you fire, but I know some of you, and we're not going to do that. Actually, I'm the one they trust. (laughs) They don't trust with fire, so... But here's what we're going to do. We're going to hand out these lights to you guys tonight, but here's what I want you to do. Don't Press them on. Now, here's the deal. There's a little silver button right there. That's what you press to turn it on. Don't everybody do it. It's going to look like a disco concert in here. We don't need that. So I will tell you when to turn them on, okay? So let's the guys pass them out real quick. 
I want you guys to know these lights. How many of you have had your light for one, two, or even three years? These things work forever. And after tonight, I want you to take them home, put some keys on them. You guys get to keep these. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. I went to no expense at all to get these for you, okay? (laughs) But here's the deal. If you look at it, it's got the name of the church on here. But every time you use it, I want you to remember, this is why I want you to have these. I want you to remember every time you use it that you're the light of the world. That's what this is to remind you of. Not to blind your little sister. (laughs) Oh, did you hear that? Everybody's like, oh, man. Okay, does everybody have one? If you don't have one, hold your hand up. Upstairs, we got some people upstairs that need one. Clint's going up there. Here's what we're going to do. In a second, we're going to turn all the lights off. Dennis, don't be scared. We're going to turn the lights off, and I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I want you to hold your light up and press it, okay? And then Wes and the guys are going to sing us a song, okay? But I want you to keep your light on. You can move it around, whatever you want to do. But here's the purpose. You're the light of the world. And I want you to tell tell you something. Something amazing happens. You know, when it's dark, when it's dark and you just shine a light, you can see it for miles. One little flashlight, you can see it for miles. But when the body of Christ comes together and all of us let our light shine, it changes the world. It lights up the world. Okay, everybody hold your lights up. Don't turn them on yet. Okay, Miss Becky, go ahead and turn the lights out. On the count of three, one, two, three, turn on your lights. Now leave them on. Go ahead, Wesley. Shorty must have been surprised And where this road had taken him He'll never in a million lives Would he hadn't dreamed of Bethlehem And standing at the manger he saw with his own eyes the message from the Savior come to life. He must have thought, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. Why him with all the rulers in the world? Why Inside this stable filled with hay Why her? She's just an ordinary girl Oh, I'm not one to second guess What angels have to say This is such a strange way To say the word 
to think of how it could have been if Jesus had come as he deserved there would have been no Bethlehem no lonely shepherds at his birth when Joseph knew the reason Love had to reach so far And as he held the Savior's in his arms He must have thought, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade Why him with all the rulers in the world? Why here? Inside this stable filled with hay Why her is just an ordinary girl Oh, I'm not one to second guess What angels have to say This is such a strange way To say the word Oh, this is such a strange way to say the world. This is such a strange way to say the world. Now I want to show you something. Wait, turn your lights off for a second. See how dark that gets? When you leave tonight, here's the charge that I have for you. You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world, and you're going to go out into some dark places. Let your light shine. Let it shine. Love people. Point them to Jesus. Amen. Remember what Christmas is all about. So I'll stand up tonight and I'm going to pray over you and dismiss you. There's a special guest in the lobby that's going to greet some of the kids and tell them about Jesus. I think you guys will know who he is when you see him. Father, we just thank you for allowing us to come into this place. Lord, we thank you that you are the light of the world. And Lord, as you died for us and you put your Holy Spirit in us, Lord, now you charge us to be the light of the world. So, Father, as we leave this place, help us carry the gift of Christmas with us every day. Help us love our families, our neighbors, Lord, and help us share your love with people. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Man. All right, here's the deal. I want you to high-five five people, tell them Merry Christmas. God bless you guys as you go. What? Okay, okay. Hey, one more thing. One more thing, as you leave, we've got a gift for everybody in the lobby as a family. You'll grab yourself a CD on your way out. We've got a Christmas CD for you guys. What's this?